Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nefesh podcast. This is episode eight, and I am just so thrilled to have my friend Jeff Bill here joining us. And Jeff, you're all the way in some part of Texas. Is it, a, is it in an important part of Texas, or is it just, you know, like the, like the other? Well, part of Texas? I consider it one of the best parts of Texas, but Fort Worth, uh, yeah, I love this area. It's Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. Have you lived in Texas all your life? No, I uh, I tell people I got here as fast as I could. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been here since 1991, so for 30-something years, 31 years. And and you've managed to, to hang in there with all the Californians who seem to be rushing into Texas, although a few Texans are rushing out of Texas, but you got a bunch of Californians that just uh, are in love with Texas as much as you are. And they're uh, they're heading right into that area, Dallas and Fort Worth and the suburbs yes. there. You probably see all those license plates. Does it get does it get annoying? Uh, no, you know I'm always a people person. I don't care where you come from. Um, they they're bringing a lot of economic, uh, you know, rush uh, buying properties and and stuff. So, you know. I don't, I don't, we have so much, so many people here that it doesn't, I don't really notice a difference. So, but I go all over, I go all, all over the Metroplex and I really don't pay attention to the license place or anything, but I do have a couple customers that are, have moved in from California. Yeah. People uh, are, are leaving California, um, kind of getting out of the, uh, typically tend to move out of the urban areas, especially if it gets crowded. Um, but it's it's so cool to be able to connect with people from all over. And so um, you being all the way out in Texas, me being in California, um, it's great to connect with you today. And, um, you know, Thank I'm you, excited. Larkin. I'm excited to have you share uh, your story and um, allow you to reflect on on some of the the really just amazing things that have happened in your life, the challenges that you have faced and um just have found you and your wife to be just such an amazing couple and uh, uh, amazingly have a sense of humor in the midst of, of so much, you know, difficulty, heartache and tragedy. And so it's yeah. a real, real privilege to have you on. Tell us a little bit, yeah. you know, about yourself, Tara, starting from whenever you want, um, where you, where you come <laughs> from, what you do um, and, you know, where you're at in your life right now. Well, all right. Uh, I've always been one that really focuses on others. And so to get my mind to start pulling up memories and everything, I might, I might uh, uh, stutter a little bit or hesitate okay. trying to get the computer, you know, those gears going on, on my life because I just have developed, you know, everybody else was uh, more important. Hmm. But, uh, you know, as I got older, God has shown me you know, it, it, the scripture says you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That's so right. it's helped me change viewing the things I've been through uh, because it would be, as of right now, somebody's going to be watching this or listening to this, uh, you know, it may be a blessing. And of course, that that always motivates me if if, if I can be a blessing, uh, that will help yeah. uh, me recollect things but um you know i, I think those one thing 
you know, that I could say starting off that people would identify is I was raised without a father. Mm. Uh, my mom, I have three older siblings, uh, two sisters and one brother. And then I have two half brothers that I've lost contact with uh, since I was a child. But uh, I, I, looking back, uh, I think that's the single most uh influential tragedy mm. in the sense of not having a father figure uh in my life uh i did when i was 15 did have a wonderful pastor that had a strong hand <laughs> that uh helped me uh change course in some of my uh, outlooks and habits and i was with him for seven or eight years and then i had other men that uh good became very good friends uh that uh contributed to my life all the way up till now mm -hmm. um i think the other thing that i that some people might identify with is i became very um how do i say it right uh trying to think of the word because you know you always want to be careful that you don't say something that might be offensive um but i was in a religious vein that was very works orientated mm. i was raised in it um very legalistic very there's that's the word thank you okay. legalistic um and then i went into another group that was even more legalistic wow and and some of the doctrines um as I look back now and have studied in seminary and uh, have a broader view of, of of the church and the kingdom of God as it's been in existence, I I see some of these things, um, how it hurt me, mm. how I believed, how I viewed God. And so my struggles uh, kind of started culminating or adding uh, as a grow as a grew without a father and then uh you know, sometimes the, uh, I had, I remember having to fight through being, uh, economically disadvantaged, mm. uh, being very poor. Uh, I, I remember fighting through the mindset that I was a victim wow. and that I, I deserved people to help me. Um, and so my brother's one that, uh, really helped me get through that is we just promised each other we'd we'd work and support ourselves and not have people help us. Mm. And so he was very influential in that. Uh, I think uh, between all those things, I formed a, a worldview. I formed a, a thought process that, uh, that I, I really couldn't trust God. And, uh, and how I viewed God as far as the, what we call the Godhead. Uh, I didn't see Jesus in the right light. Hmm. The value of of his love and sacrifice. It The way I had him proceed, whether I was taught that way or it kind of formed that way, is um, his sacrifice wasn't as valuable as I see it now. Uh, you are currently in... Um, uh, uh, in a master's program studying Christian apologetics 
And so yes. you're, you're really getting into kind of theology and an understanding of, of all aspects of Christian theology and, and how to understand it and define it and, and defend it. Um, it is not all Christian traditions think the same, not all Christian traditions. And you know, this throughout church history that, that the challenge to even get basic language on the Trinity and an understanding of, of the various roles and what that means and you know who Jesus is that took a lot to get to those points. Um, but it does remind us that our theology really does affect the way we live our lives, our understanding of God, which, yes, which should be on a constant growth uh, a trajectory because our understanding of God will continue to grow over, over time. Mm -hmm. It really does affect how we live. How yes. It affects the, what we believe and then how we live. And it affects your relationship with God. Yeah. Um, if you don't see him as the, the God that gave mm. his son that had eternal value or any other doctrine that keeps you from drawing intimately close with God through Christ mm. by the Holy Spirit, uh, you're going to have a casual relationship. Mm. Um, and so I think that that really I hadn't tried everything. You know, I fell into an addiction when I was in my 20s and my first marriage. Um, I think it was around uh, 91, 92. Uh, you know, I was struggling, um, and it, where I was at, I had no, I had nowhere to turn, mm. uh, because the mindset, uh, that the cultural, the mindset of the people that was around, uh, some would forgive me and some wouldn't, and wow. you would forever be labeled, wow. you would, uh, uh, I mean, you would be branded mm. and, and not in, not in a mean personal way. It was just the way the system was mm. that uh, you were, you were going to be locked in and for able labor of what you, whatever troubles you were doing because yeah. it was works orientated. Yeah. And so that just, anytime works is the, uh, motive of your relationship with God, then God's love is always going to be based on what you do, not who he is. Right. And so that kept me from turning to him. And then, uh, you know, so that, that ruined my first marriage. Mm. Uh, I lost being an everyday father. Mm. I think uh, that still, affects me today i still have to have god's grace to uh help me knowing that my mistakes um damaged my sons mm. um so that's you know so being um morally messed up spiritually messed up um you know, it was just, it was a constant, um, 
merry-go-round. You know, you'd have your high moments and then you'd crash and burn. And uh, looking back, I didn't realize that I dealt with depression. Wow. Uh, one moment, I'm at the top of the world and yeah. and uh, walk in a room and make everybody happy. And then the next minute, I didn't want to live no more. It was just wow. the end of the world. And so that cycle just continued. I think... Um, I think the beginning of recovery, I met my wife that I have now. Uh, we've been together 18 years now. Wow. Um, I met her in 2004 uh, or 2005, right in there. And I was out of church again. <laughs> I think I've, I, I tell people I'm the prodigal son a hundred times over. Um, <laughs> And and the father still was there waiting for me and welcomed me back in. And uh, thank God his treasure chest was yeah. infinite because I'd run out. I'd run out of. <laughs> I'd run it all out. But and so I have a heart for people that need second and third and fourth and fifth and hundredth chance. But the first thing in her when we met. And we were really starting to talk is she said, I want to let you know something. God and going to church is the first important thing in my life. And, and I went, Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I knew right then that, you know, that here we go, here I'm coming back into church. Mm. And then, uh, you know, our lives might, you know, my problems came into the second marriage mm. and they didn't change. <laughs> Um, but God had, was starting something. He gave me somebody that uh, had been through things and knew how to handle me. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first gift mm. of recovery. And then in 2010, we started going to Turning Point with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, and his teachings were right on as mm. far as Orthodox Christianity. Uh, dealing with scriptures as they are not as we would want to read into them sure and so he began to start taking layers off of of what i had wrong and seeing god yeah and it was really cool i still had my problems mm. um the other the other thing that really god gave me to help me was um Celebrate Recovery, mm. a Christian 12-step program that's for hurts, habits, and uh, hang-ups. <laughs> and I had a lot of them. <laughs> Not only had an addiction that I was fighting, but I had a lot of hang-ups. Mm. And I went through that 12-step program twice and was almost the third time. Wow. Well, in the meantime, on, one of, on the up cycles... I became a deacon and I was a, a men's leader, uh, you know, and then I relapsed mm. and I, I think that was one of the most devastating times in my life. Mm. Um, being looked at as a leader, having problems in my life and then failing. Wow. Uh, 
But it was one of the greatest gifts that God walked me through because the leadership of that church, Pastor Brendan included, followed the scriptures perfectly. They did not judge me. They did not excommunicate me. They quietly removed me from leadership to let me go. That was the second time I went through Celebrate Recovery. And they walked through with me wow. side by side to allow healing yeah. and restoration. The perfect, it showed me that the early church and the things that happened can happen today. Absolutely. <laughs> I love, well, and I, it, it shows how important the community, the, the, the people of faith and the community to support one another and help one another through. I think you even shared at one point that, you know, Pastor Brendan uh, would be kind of chasing after you, uh, going to your house and knocking on your door and, and um, kind of some, some tough love, but also saying to you, we're not going to let you go. You're not going to disappear yeah. off the face of the earth. We are, we are coming you give up on me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's amazing because, you know, the, the many times of up and down that I had, and yet they seen the gifts and the callings and the abilities that God had placed in my life. I was just, um, I was a wounded soul, mm. sometimes self-inflicted. Mm. You know, I, I remember my thought process was I just could never see myself as a uh, man of God, wow. I could never see myself as a leader because I had these issues. And so I would purposely or subconsciously purposely sabotage, do things and sabotage and set myself up for failure. Wow. So there's a, there's another mindset that, um, that, people have to be aware of when someone has addictions or struggles in their life, there's a mindset. And I remember T.D. Jakes talking about they had a men's program where they'd get these guys out of prison and they would get them good jobs and everything at first when he first started it and that these guys would do, be doing so well and then all of a sudden they just lose it. Hmm. And he discovered that it is – they did not see themselves like they belonged wow. there. Wow. And I think the healing that has come forth with a combination, see, some people think that uh, all it takes is the word of God, but, and that's, in a sense, that's true, but the word of God coming through different venues, different ways and means of getting through to you. Right. Uh, all the tools, I call them tools because I'm a plumber, um, that you use to help get the task done. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it was a, it's these last 10 or 12 years have been a, a wonderful, I mean, not easy process of one, understanding who God is mm. and then understanding who I am. Right. And then who I am in God. 
That's good. That's why I think when Jesus said that to love your love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's a relationship. And then to love your neighbor, why didn't he just say love your neighbor? Hmm. He said love your neighbor as yourself. Well, it could be two reasons why he said as yourself. Is one, generally people are very self-oriented, selfish, and they're number one, and you treat yourself the best. Well, but the other one, I think, I always took it as to love yourself is you have to understand who you are. If you're loving God in a relationship, you're going to find out who you are, and you're going to love yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to love your personality. You're going to love your attributes and your talents and find your purpose and you're going to love that then you love your neighbor from that because if you don't love yourself how can you love your neighbor well and it's appreciating the person that god has created you to be so it's exactly i i generally cringe when people talking about you know you gotta really love yourself i think (laughs) it just sounds a little self uh i don't know narcissistic or something but it's it's, it's truly about understanding my value and my worth as God loves me, right? So God sets the standard. God has, if God has created me, if God has created all of us in his image, then he has set the standard and the value for our worth. If he is the creator, then only he can establish the value and the worth and nobody can take that away. And And that is loving ourselves is really appreciating and understanding how God loves us and, and how yeah. God sees us and our worth. And you're and right. that goes back to that mindset I was talking right. about. When you don't see yourself or value yourself and, and, and you don't see yourself as a child of God, of the apple of his eye, and, and that really that deep relationship then you're not going to value yourself and uh, yeah. you're going to gravitate through things to things that uh, some, a lot of times are self-destructing. That's right. And, uh, but I, the journey uh, doesn't stop there. <laughs> uh, I think another program that really helped me was the, uh, in Turning Point, uh, they, uh, they adopted the majoring in men curriculum uh, Mm -hmm. by Dr. Edwin Cole. And I was the first uh, commissioned man there in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, How did that feel? You know, again, at first I didn't realize, and I'd done it while I was in school. And so I, I really didn't realize the, the importance and the, the ramifications of of the meaning of it Mm. but looking back it's you know god did that for me Mm. um because i always i've never been first Mm. and um it was a culmination of the work that pastor brendan and uh pastor bob and uh different ones that put into me uh and and at the time the men's leader was Dwayne Hinkey uh it was it was a powerful moment and of course now it's grown tremendously under the uh, guidance and the work of uh, Johnny Kovar and his wife 
but uh, they it, it's a program that again peels back some of the layers why are you who you are and why do you do what you do and wow. brings in scriptures and helps you uh, connect uh, in a greater way of becoming uh, Christ-like. Yeah. Um, so that was that was another one, and then of course SUM. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, <laughs> now I didn't get the privilege of ever having you in class. Privilege? Yes, it would have been a privilege. To have you. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I was but, a mess. <laughs> no, no, no. You graduated pretty well, pretty top. Um, I don't remember, but I think it was pretty. Yeah, pretty I had to. Again, that was a, I wish I had wrote it down because I, I had a, my journey, it was a three-phase journey, and it was kind of similar to when Jesus said to Peter, lovest thou me more than these, mm. and I I hope I can recollect it, I, that was one of the things I should have wrote down because it was, it was very profound in my life, but I've been a plumber, next year will be, uh, I've been involved in plumbing and in the in this plumbing industry for 40 years wow and i'll be a master plumber for 30 years next wow. in 2023 <clears throat> so when i started school i thought it was going to be evening time and i had already done some uh i had gone back in 2007 for a few years i went to another seminary that was non-accredited and back then i didn't have a clue what that meant right and so I accumulated 55 hours. And so when I came to it, when I, SUM was introduced at Turning Point, I thought, you know, I could do classes in the evening and, and everything. And then I found it was all day Monday, all day Tuesday. <laughs> and then they gave you about 30 hours of work that you had to do beside the classroom time, beside your homework time. Right. And, and I remember it was very overwhelming. Mm. And trying to run my business. And I was remember sitting in a classroom, my chest just beating just under stress. And I said, God, I can't do this. Mm. And he goes, Some people don't believe God talks to you, which it wasn't an audible voice, it was a conversation in my head. Right. In my heart. And he said, I want you to give up your business. Wow. And I went, That's not possible. Wow. God, I can't do this. The second time he goes, I want you to give up your business. Wow. And I'm sitting, we started out with eight students. There's three long tables and I'm, so there's three in the back, three in the middle. And I'm sitting in the front with the other student beside me. And when the third time he said, give up your business, I mean, the emotions just started erupting. I started bawling. I had to run out of that room. Oh my goodness. Like run out of that room. And I went to the bathroom and I was crying so hard. I was hyperventilating. Oh my goodness. It was, I said, God, this, it's impossible. I said, my business pays for everything. Yeah. I want you to give up your business. So the process, long story short, I found somebody to do it and they paid me for my license and I assisted them as I went to school. So that process one, the first year was me losing, setting aside my identity of the, I was a plumber, wow. not I was a son of God doing plumbing. Mm. 
my identity was wrapped up in what I did. So then the second year, Love Us Out More Than These, was uh, accepting the change of direction. Wow. Um, and you're referencing the story in John chapter 21, where Peter, Jesus is in the process of restoring Peter after his uh, denial of Jesus. And Jesus says to Peter three times, you know, Peter, uh, do you love me? And, um, and, you know, feed my sheep, essentially, right? Yes. Um, and so out of that, it, you, you, that reference for you is about changing your direction about about ministry, about going into or pursuing yes. full-time ministry. Yep. And so the first year was giving up my identity and my love for my plumbing. Mm. The second year was accepting the change of direction, and this was who I was going to be. Wow. Then the third year was uh embrace it and love him uh and trusting him in my calling wow it was and i think a lot of students if they would look at it that way they would see that it wasn't about all the and that's what i love about sum is they designed it uh that you were immersed in your in your calling you're right. immersed in your liquidity you're being equipped mm. and it was the best thing in my life it, mm. it really culminated all that and just put it in and um so those 55 hours that i got in a non-accredited seminary i didn't get credit for that <laughs> zero <laughs> and i remember i was so upset i tried to call uh I tried uh, Dr. Oliverio. <laughs> I mean, I was just trying to pull strings. I was like, are you kidding me? I can graduate in two years. Aww. I mean, and then the Lord spoke to me again. He goes, you're right where I want you. Wow. Don't worry about it. That schooling was your John the Baptist for this Jesus moment. Mm. And so just accept it. So wow. I did. <laughs> and I'm glad I did because... I needed all three of those years. Wow. I needed them. Because it was messed up. <laughs> I mean, this is a long process. You well, know. And that's what we, as impatient human beings, and especially in our current lifestyles of fast paced mm -hmm. living in microwave, we don't understand <laughs> that our growth and development is lifelong, and especially. If we come from behind, essentially, if we don't have the best early childhood or growing up years, we are not behind, but we, there's so much that God has to transform and change and uproot. And our souls are so very, very tender. And they, there is so much that is needed to transform that. I wanted to go back, back to that relapse moment. Um, I remember that I was sitting out, uh, on my porch and I remember I was, I had a fire going and, uh, I remember being tired of, 
doing the same things over and over again, year in, year out. And this was before I went to school. It was in 2015, if I remember right. And I remember just saying, God, I'm I'm tired of this. I said, I'm, I keep coming back to the same place, you know, doing well for a while and then slipping up and then failing and then recovery and healing and then doing well for a while. And I said, I want to love you more than myself. Wow. I recognized that I was very, very selfish. Everything revolved around me, how I wanted it, uh, how, everything to make me feel better. Um, and so then it went, it was within a year that I started SUM. Wow. And so the recovery, uh, it was, it was a finally a moment. And I think every person that has addictions in their life, uh, that they finally have to get to you're just, you're just done. You'll, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll stay in the fight mm. you, and you're not going to go back. Yeah. So that kind of that 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 was something I skipped in before SUM started. Uh, and then of course now I'm I'm in my master's program, so I'm I can see the the light at the end of the tunnel in the sense of fulfilling my destiny and my purpose. The the next event that radically changed me was my son's death mm. and that's uh he was my oldest son and he was pretty much just like me um he died uh november the first uh more the afternoon after halloween uh, he had shot himself um that crushed me. Yeah. And there was nothing of me left after that happened. I lost my zeal. I lost my passion. I lost my drive. I lost my fire. Uh, I lost the meaning of whatever life represented in the sense of um, my son, my firstborn. It, it uh, but I had my faith. And um, 36 hours after my son passed, I dreamed the entire sermon that I preached. Was, I was going to do his funeral. Wow. And I dreamed the entire sermon. And I remember waking up out of bed and crying and going to my, we have a love seat in the room. And I remember sitting down and my wife's asleep. So I'm trying to do this quietly. And I remember saying, God, how can I write all that down? That's a lot. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit come over me and, I heard trying, I was bawling on it, put a blanket over my head trying to keep quiet. And and then for just a few moments, I felt this intense heaviness. And then the same voice that uh, spoke to me about my business 
in the same tone. He said, I allowed this to happen because that which was inside was going to get worse and not get better. And I called him home so that he would have peace. Wow. And the moment he said that, it was like someone come up behind me with a glass of oil and slowly pouring it on my head. And as it oozed down my cheeks and neck mm -hmm. and shoulders, I felt the peace of God. Yeah. It's been a rough uh, nine or ten months. But every time any questions, any wonders, shoulda, coulda, woulda, why this, and could I have done this different, or all those things that, that keep coming up, I just go back to what the Lord gave me. And my son loved God. He, he what some people would say, he didn't have a religious walk with him where he went to church or anything, but he, he knew God and he knew that he would eventually be back with God if God wasn't going to let him go too far. Mm -hmm. But the process of that, as I'm really still in it, um, is giving God those feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, even the hurt you you gain identity of you know that's how you're connecting with your your lost one is in the pain yeah and so sometimes you don't even want to let go of the pain because that's what you're feeling for your loved one right and uh and then someone different ones you know i got through it one my wife was very very supportive was there for me 24 7 and then many uh pastor even though i haven't been at turning point for a few years pastor jeff and pastor brendan were there and then my current pastor uh he he came and uh associate pastor came and hundreds of people praying for me and the family and uh, friends that i hadn't talked to in 20 years looking me up and calling me and yeah and so again we come back to that that community the the body of when one hurts they all hurt right and so you're not alone so that in your book was was powerful um your belief system dictates your reaction and it also dictates your length of healing and your the way you go about it. And, and mm. you know, God knew I needed that that voice that night. Yeah, because He had known my struggles even without a crisis like this. I struggled to understand who He was. Right. And so, I preached His funeral under the anointing of the holy spirit wow <laughs> i can't imagine I can't um imagine having to preach at your own son's funeral it was uh and and the funeral got delayed i don't remember why but it was going to be like 10 days wow and, 
And every day I'd come home from work. And and God gave me a paragraph or two of the sermon every day. Wow. <laughs> and no more. Wow. He would it would just be a certain portion. I'd get to it and I knew it was that was it. Wow. And uh there was probably 400 people at my son's funeral. That's incredible. And, uh, but I never, back in 2001, my first marriage, I lost it. And I had a, I was one of the first ones to, to have a concealed handgun license. I was in the first group here in Texas. And so I carried a gun for a while and then I got, kind of weary of it, I was tired of having it. So I put it on top of this big, what we call an armoire. And I had, I didn't have it loaded just in case my son Levi, the, the oldest one, in case I had it so tall that I had to get on a step ladder, a little step to get it. And the box of bulls was right beside it. And because of my addiction and failures, my wife at the time and I had a big argument and I just blew up. I said, that's it. And I remember getting a step stool and getting up there and, and grabbing the gun. And, and I said, where's the box of bullets? I said, where, why would my, why would she, why would my wife move the bullets and not tell me? I said, well, forget it. I'll just go buy some. And I tore out of there. And I remember the holiday season. So it was between November and December or end December. It was a Christmas holiday, and I remember going to Walmart, walking through to the back, and there was a long line at the uh, sporting good desk or counter. And I remember each step getting closer to being the one to be helped uh, with. I uh, I remember thinking, I said, this is stupid, but I was so angry and so tired of failing and so tired of, of coming up short. I just didn't want to live no more. And so I remember getting up to that counter and he pulls out, to, I told him what gun I had. And, and so he pulls out this huge box. He said, this is all I got left. And I said, well, how much is it? And it was like almost 50 bucks, 45, somewhere in there. And he, and, and I thought in my head, I didn't tell this guy cause he probably would have freaked out. I said, I'm not paying that much for one bullet. And I walked away and eventually, long story short, I, the next day when I went back home, I got that stool, got up on top of that armoire and there was my box of bullets covered in dust. Nobody had touched them. Wow. So God had blinded my eyes wow. to those box of bullets. Mm -hmm. And so the same God that prevented me from seeing those bullets mm -hmm. 20 years later didn't stop or intervene when my son made that split second decision like I had done. Wow. I have to trust him for that. Mm -hmm. That he knows um 
And it says, the scripture says, he that cometh to God must first believe he is. Right. He is what? He is. He is. Right. John said that he is love. Mm. Everything that God does or allows is always for our benefit. Mm. And sometimes even in death, my son is, is better off. Mm. Whatever was happening inside of him that I had a little inclination was was not going to get better. Wow. And I just have to accept that God allowed it because that's what Levi needed. Right. I don't understand it. I don't understand those dynamics. But I do trust God. I may never get some of the answers until I get to heaven. You know, it. whenever I think of all the questions that we have in life and all the, the tragedies that befall us and, you know, similar situations, you hear of just awful tragedies that happen to kids or, you know, people who've done nothing to deserve anything, natural disasters and other things. And in your situation, such profound grief and loss. I think of the story of Job and, and some, some scholars believe that, you know, the, the book of Job was really meant to, to show, uh, to, to ground people in this idea of, of suffering, a, a theology of suffering that was going counter to what people understood at that time in those ancient civilizations. They believed that if you did good things, you would be blessed. And if, and the marker of your of kind of like a works righteousness idea that the marker of your righteousness with God was how blessed you were materially and with family and good health. And if you didn't have good health and if you, if loved ones passed away and if you didn't have money, then somehow you were sinning or doing something wrong. And yet the book of Job absolutely obliterates that theology. And one of the most difficult and yet most profound things uh, when you come to the end of the book of Job is that God does not answer any of Job's questions. Right. He just enlarges Job's view of who God is, Right. Everyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. I believe it's in Hebrews and that he rewards yeah. or that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, but an understanding of who God is and God just enlarges Job's view. He's, he says, this is who I am. And then at yes. the end, he blesses Job, but he doesn't answer Job's questions of why. And there is nothing right. to indicate, and we don't know, but it's, but it's likely that Job never understood why all that had happened to him, that he didn't understand the backstory. He wouldn't have understood Satan coming to God and asking to, you know, to rough up Job. He, he wouldn't have had any of that. He was completely in the dark and there's, there's no indication that he ever understood. And it's maddening. And yet, 
if we can get to a point, and this is part of the process, we get to a point where we surrender and trust, not in a blind trust, but in a fully eyes wide open trust, there is a peace that we can find. Yeah. I know you are, I know you're in that process of, com of coming to that. And I just want to say, Jeff, I, I just, the, the depth of your loss is so profound and so deep. And I just can't, I can't even, cannot even imagine in the fact that you are, that you are here and that you are continuing and that you are pursuing God, even in a very hurt and broken and yet strong way is a testament to God's work in your life, but also of your faith. Your faith is getting stronger each day and that it, it had to have been strong to begin with because to go through that type of loss is huge. It is soul crushing. Yeah, it's, you know, that's the, when you, and it's kind of hard to express it, you know, people that have lost their children can understand, but even lost any loved one, it's, it's tough, but I can look back and, and though God doesn't cause things, I believe he sees them coming mm. with his foreknowledge. And he's there walking with you and, and preparing you. And then when it happens, he's there with you. It says, one scripture says, though I make my bed in hell, lo, thou art with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, so there, there are scriptures that give us insight and inclinations and, and understanding you know, the God's ways, his revealed ways, because his ways are higher than ours. It's, it's not possible to understand God completely. But to understand him enough that you have to choose. Uh, you're either going to allow this brokenness and, and trust God and worship him in it, or you're going to become uh, bitter and angry. Right. And that's where I think the understanding who God is, that your doctrines or your belief system are important. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what I love about the calling that God put in my heart. You know, I'm not an intellectual by no means. But he called me to be an evangelistic apologist. And my heart is to help people see God clearly. Mm. How great and magnificent and amazing, loving, kind, yet so holy and so pure, mm. full of mercy and grace that allows us us to find out who he is and to choose 
to love him. Relationship has to be two ways wow. or else it's not a relate it's not a loving relationship. Yeah. And for him to create humanity with a free will, knowing that they were going to screw it up, yeah. mess it up. Yes. Knowing that he was going to have to send his son mm. to die for our sins, he still went ahead and created mankind. That's right. He, you know, he, he just loves us so much. And the, uh, and that's, that's what burns in my heart is for people to see that. Yeah. That even though we're in this flesh, we can be free from the the chains and the bondage uh you, you don't even have to have an addiction in your life to be chained up mm. it it's your belief system that can be the very chains to hold you back to wow. enjoying this peace and this love and this joy mm. that only comes by the holy spirit moving in our hearts god's using this horrific tragedy to mold me and I feel like the final touch is before he sends me out. Wow. Wherever I'm going, whatever I'm going to do, that I'm to the point, like Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. Send yeah. me. Right. I hope that encapsulates the journey. I don't, it doesn't, doesn't even know. come close to encapsulating your incredible life, but it's a start. And I, I'm just so grateful that you have taken this time to talk and share. And I know that it's going to touch other people as much as it has, has touched me. And I, I absolutely mean this, that you are such an incredibly strong man of faith. And I love how, how tender your heart is. I, I think that that, is, that shows incredible strength. It shows a lot of strength to be able to be, to be open and tender and vulnerable. And, and God, I know that God is not done with you and that this is all process. Not, not for the next step. It is process for the next step. But it's also for now that that your life is making a difference in the lives of others now, that you are impacting the world now, and that your story and the, the growth that has taken place in your life is ministering to people now. And so I'm just so I just so feel so honored and so blessed. I know you said you were honored to be on, but I have been honored to have you on. And I I appreciate you and all that you're doing. Um, and I'd, I'd love to have you, you on again. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah, I'd love to have you on again. I know you've talked about getting your own podcast going. Would love to promote that um, and and share that. You have just so much to share, and um, you may not consider yourself an an intellectual, but you are incredibly intelligent and intuitive. And and I'm excited to see where where that is going to take you. And so. Thank you again, Jeff, and uh, thank you to all to all who have been listening. This has been uh, the Nefesh Podcast, Episode Eight, and we have had the privilege of speaking with Mr. Jeff Hill. Soon, in a few years, to be Dr. Jeff Hill as he gets his PhD at some point. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.